You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. Stephen Simcox here with you, your host, and thanks for joining me on Thursday, December 17th. Appreciate you tuning in. Um, in this first segment, we'll discuss TCU men's basketball getting a big win over Oklahoma State tonight on the road in Stillwater, pulling one off um, after being behind for most of that game. In segment two, we'll talk about some surprises on the first national signing day. TCU hauled in a few guys in this class and improved their ranking a little bit. They still finished towards the bottom of the Big 12, uh, but I think when you take a closer look at some of the players they signed, you'll feel better about what they did on this first national signing day and added some guys who were technically classified as 2020 players but will be in the mix to play next year and will basically be part of the 2021 class. So some interesting additions that went down today. But first, let's talk about uh, this win that the Frogs had against Oklahoma State on the basketball court tonight. 77-76 to was your final score, and uh, just an impressive effort by TCU basketball. They're down by about eight points with under three minutes to go, and they end up scoring the last nine points on the night. R.J. Nimhard hit a 15-foot jump shot uh, with like seven seconds left to take a one-point lead, and then they were able to, to slow down Cade Cuttingham um, and make him take a, a tough mid-range jump shot that he could not hit. You know, Cuttingham had 17 points on the night, and he is uh, the star for Oklahoma State. He was the number one player in the country coming into uh, his freshman season. Um, he's probably going to be the first draft pick in next year's draft. And you look at the line, 17 points uh, in 31 minutes. That's a pretty good night. But honestly, TCU, I think, did a great job on him defensively. He was 6 of 18 from the floor. He had a, a better second half than first half. But the Frogs were able to keep him from getting to the rim whenever he wanted to. Um, also chased him off the three-point line and really forced him into tough mid-range shots all night long. And I haven't watched enough of Cade to know if that's sort of the book on him and that's an area where he struggles. But tonight he didn't shoot uh, from that distance especially well. So it worked out really, uh, really well for TCU. And on that last possession, um, they did something really smart. Like he was coming down. They had to go the length of the floor, Oklahoma State did, with about seven seconds left. And Cunningham was coming down. And they double teamed him. But they did it in a way, Fran Fraschilla, who was uh, doing commentary for that game, called it a soft double team. So they didn't blitz him. They basically just had two guys on him to cut him off. But they didn't come at him so aggressively uh, that he felt like he had to pass the ball. And it was a late double team. So it allowed uh, them to force him into a tough shot without giving him the option to dish it off to somebody else for a wide-open jumper. So uh, I imagine, you know, that's Jamie Dixon's doing. So nice call by him and the nice execution by uh, the guys on the floor. R.J. Nimhard was fantastic tonight. Um, he had 21 points, uh, was 9 of 15 from the field, and as I said, had that jumper um, with under 10 seconds left to win it. Mike Miles had another great game, but the biggest positive coming out of this basketball game, you know, I, I've been sort of pounding the table about it for 
multiple weeks now. You've got to find a way to get Kevin Samuel involved on offense. Well, he had 18 points on the night. It was his best offensive output of the year, and he was a, a dominant force down low. You know, he was making plays defensively. He was protecting the rim well. And he was also able to come down and get some easy buckets on offense. Uh, they did a really nice job attacking Oklahoma State. They were playing sort of a, a sagging zone defense. And they were moving in the paint, getting the ball to the high post, and then dishing down low to Kevin Samuel. And he was able to get some easy buckets. But uh, this looked like a game that they were going to lose. You know, they jumped out to a really nice lead. We're actually up by 11 points with about five minutes left in the first half, and, and Oklahoma State was able to close that gap. And going into halftime, it was a five-point game. And then uh, the Cowboys came out hot in the second half, took an early lead, and then just started extending that lead throughout the rest of the second half. And when TCU was down, you know, eight points with, uh, with under three minutes to go, I really felt like this thing was over. But they were able to turn it around. Um, now, they had 20 turnovers on the night. That continues to be an issue. They really need Francisco Farabello back on the court. You know, he's he's not an amazing scorer, and he has some limitations offensively. But I think he just calms things down so much on that side of the ball and really gets them into their sets, gets them into their offense, and allows them to play a cleaner game. Um, so he will be a welcome addition whenever he gets back from injury. But, you know, Nimhard and Miles, like, they'll turn the ball over, but they score so much that I think you just have to live with it. And uh, a really impressive night from them all around. So a huge win for TCU basketball on the road, stealing one where it looked like they weren't going to be able to get it done. And Oklahoma State, you know, they're 6-0 going into this thing. Obviously, Cunningham is an incredible player. Uh, Isaac Likely is also a really good player, and they held him to 10 points. So this is a good win. Um, this is about everything you could ask for for TCU men's basketball after a couple of rough games, and it looked like, man, maybe this team is not as good as we thought. Uh, they come back with a, a big win over A&M where they just completely dominated the game and then steal this conference game on the road against Oklahoma State. They have a couple. They have a game on uh, Tuesday the 22nd against North Dakota State, and then they get a break before playing Texas Southern on the 30th, and then you hit the teeth of conference play with Kansas State, Kansas, and Baylor back to back to back. So we're going to find out pretty quickly here, um, you know, how good this team is, how they hold up in the grind of a Big 12 schedule over 18 games when you're playing everybody twice. But Oklahoma State was one of those teams that was sort of picked to finish, you know, at the bottom of the conference with CCU. And if you're going to make any kind of push – to be a better team than people expect. You have to find a way to beat teams like that, and they did that this evening with a big win over uh, over the Pokes. So nice job by R.J. Nemhard, Mike Miles, and Kevin Samuel and, and everybody involved getting that victory. Coming up next, let's talk National Signing Day. Had some surprises come down um, during the day, and we'll discuss that. But first, let's talk about Coors Light. I tell you about it every day. Uh, Coors Light is the beer that's made to chill. If you know you're watching sports, I was actually watching the uh, state title games um, just now. Martin Winthorpe, it was an incredible football game, and those are going to be on all weekend. <clears throat> Grab a cold Coors Light. 
Um, if you're watching some college basketball later this week, grab a cold Coors Light. It's the beer that's made to chill. It's the one I choose when I want to unwind. So when you want to relax and hit reset, uh, make sure you're grabbing a cold Coors Light. And you, get, you can get it sent straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Again, that's get.coorslight.com. Please always remember to celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Back on Locked on Horn Frogs, Stephen Simcox here with you, uh, talking some TCU athletics. And in that first segment, we talked TCU basketball as they steal a win over Oklahoma State today on the road. Now let's get into some recruiting. It was National Signing Day. And I told you yesterday um, some guys to watch as we approach Signing Day and just some names to know that could be coming down uh, the day of. And we got some surprises. Uh, this was the class going into this morning, was ranked 10th in the Big 12, was ranked like 99th overall. Well, they made some big jumps. Now, they didn't get a lot of movement in the Big 12. They're only 9th in the Big 12, so not a huge uh, come up there. But they did come up to 55th nationally, which is a nice jump. And, you know, the number of commits is pretty few. Or, or signees now, they end the day with 13 signees. And these rankings are according to 247 Sports. Excuse me, they're actually 56th, not 55th in the nation with this recruiting class right now. So 13 guys signed letter of in, intents, but they had a couple players. And I'll try to explain what went down that were 2020 signees, um, but it didn't work out where they were going. So they ended up transferring into TCU, and they'll also count towards this class. But one of the big surprises of the day was Sam Jackson ends up at TCU. And Sam Jackson is a four-star quarterback from Naperville, Illinois. He was originally committed to Purdue. He also had offers. Uh, I know Notre Dame was pretty hard on him as well. Uh, now, he's a little undersized. He's 5'11", but the comparison that he was getting as far as player comps was Trayvon Boykin, which... As a TCU fan, obviously, I know that makes your eyes light up and, and gets you thinking about all the possibilities that could come with that. Super athletic, has a big arm. Um, you know, I watch, like, it, it's hard to tell with, with this stuff because you watch, like, huddle film or, or huddle clips, and, I mean, it's just their highlights, right? Like, it, you're just watching sort of what they want you to see. Um, but impressive. I mean, moves around in the pocket, extends plays, has a big arm, as I say, can make throws down the football field. And he ends up signing with TCU. So now they have three quarterbacks in this class, which is sort of fascinating. you got Alexander Hoyne, um, the young man from Germany, who we don't really know a lot about him other than he's got great size, a, a big arm, um, and, and obviously a ton of unknowns with him coming over from overseas. And then Trent Battle, who uh, is from Alabama and is really classified more as an athlete or a dual threat so there's some speculation on if he might end up changing positions wherever you know he ends up when once he gets on campus. But he's classified as a quarterback right now. And then you add uh, Sam Jackson. So you have another quarterback in the mix. But they need some depth there. I mean, this season behind Max, you saw the issues they had with Matthew Downing. Um, I mean, God bless him. He was basically just sort of in there managing the game, trying to, to make things happen. And then Stephon Brown – uh, was the JUCO player from uh, Independence Community College that, I mean, he was the top JUCO quarterback in the country, um, but didn't really hear a lot from him. So 
I'm interested to see what he does because he only has so many years left. But now you bring in three more quarterbacks, and that room gets uh, even more crowded. But should be some good competition there to see who sits behind Max Duggan. You'd like to see one of those freshmen, whether it's Jackson or Hoyne or even Battle, uh, sort of push down him for that number two spot and be behind Duggan as sort of the heir apparent whenever he does decide to move on. Another one of the surprises from today was Amante Watkins. Um, Watkins is a running back from Klein Forest down in the Houston area, but he does a little bit of everything. He was a kick returner. He also played some defense um, at Klein Forest. I, I don't really know what happened with him. He had a, a bunch of offers, and then it looked like some schools sort of pulled out or lost interest, and it, it came down to TCU and Baylor, but TCU gets him signed today. And this is another guy. Um, you're talking about position flex. Like, he could play running back, but he has incredible speed. So I, I saw some folks – they cover recruiting for 247, speculating maybe he could be a wide receiver. Maybe he ends up being a defensive back. There's a lot of versatility you have with Watkins. So he's going to be an exciting athlete to watch um, moving forward when, whenever he gets on campus. And then a couple of players um, that I didn't have on my reader at all going into today, uh, DeAndre Rogers. He's a, he's a tight end from uh, Washington State. And he was originally committed to Cal. He never got on campus at Cal. There were some rumors of, of off-the-field issues. I did some research. I could not find exactly what it was that he got in trouble for. Um, but he's a, a big tight end. Over six feet tall. Well over 200 pounds. Has an incredible build. And as I said, was supposed to be a 2020 guy for Cal. That did not work out. Um, but he ends up now at TCU. And he'll get classified and I believe should be ready to go immediately. So that that's going to be interesting. And then they also got a four-star signee, Quincy Brown, who was a Mississippi State commit. A very fast, big four-star wide receiver. Gabe Brooks said that he has a large catch radius, um, catches everything as a 37.9-inch vertical Goes after fades and jump balls as a rebounder. High points the ball well. So he'll work in the mix as well. Again, that's Quincy Brown and uh, 6'3", 175 pounds. Four-star player from Louisiana. Um, had offers from Alabama, Arkansas, Auburn, Colorado. So he got a bunch of offers from around the country. And Jeremy Clark, who, who covers this stuff like a glove, said that he wasn't even expecting him to sign today that caught him totally by surprise so encouraging to see uh you know another big physical wide receiver on campus you know quentin johnson great young receiver savion williams um curious to see if they get him more involved this year on the other side but quincy brown being added to the mix now as well so that sort of recaps the surprises that we saw on signing day uh, we'll come back and have one more segment on today's Locked On Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Back on Locked On Horn Frogs, final segment. Um, don't forget to subscribe. Uh, you can do that on Apple Podcasts. You can do it on Stitcher. You can do it on Spotify. Wherever it is that you listen to me, you can subscribe. And what that does is it sends you know, the podcast directly to your phone every day. And that way, it's very convenient. You don't have to search for it. You don't have to, 
you know, say, oh, when is this dropping? Where is it? When can I listen to it? It's just there for you, and you can listen to it throughout the day. Um, you can listen to it on your morning commute, on your way to the gym, you know, at night, in the afternoon, whenever it is, uh, you can listen to Locked on Horn Frogs. And if you miss an episode, don't worry. You can go back. You can double up. You know, I'd encourage you to listen to, to Tuesdays or Wednesdays, or if you, even if you want to go back to Monday and listen to what Matt Jennings talked about. It's not that dated yet, so go ahead and, and check that out as well. Um, and on Apple Podcasts, you can rate and review the show, so you can let me know sort of how I'm doing. Give me a five-star review. That'd be fantastic. I'd appreciate it if you would do that. And you can hit me up on Twitter. My personal account is at SimcockSteven, and then the show account is at LockedOnTCU. So if you have criticism, feedback, you can let me know. Uh, about a week ago, I was doing a Pro Frogs report, and Tommy – tweeted at me and was like, hey, man, you're, you're reading these stats about Ben Banigou wrong. He actually hadn't played in a couple of weeks. Um, so it's it's not six tackles this week. He only has six tackles on the season. He's been inactive for a while. And, you know, that was great. I'm, I'm glad that he let me know about that because I would have just kept saying it uh, and, and being wrong week after week. So I'm glad that he let me know. I was tripped up on that, and those are the kind of things you can do if you want to interact with me on Twitter. I want to tell you about a, a new show that's on the Locked On Network. It actually launched yesterday. It's called Locked On Bets. Um, if you're into gambling, betting on you know whatever sport it is, doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. You can subscribe to Locked On Bets, brought to you by BetOnline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. And Q's one of my good friends. I work with him at ESPN Central Texas, which is my day job. So I'd encourage you to listen to Q. Uh, if he's talking about anything, but he's doing a really cool new show with Lee Sterling. So if you're into the uh, gambling world and want to make some money, then listen to Locked on Bets. All right, let's talk about TCU football for a minute, and let's discuss what we want to see from this team in their bowl game, whatever that ends up being. We still don't know exactly where they're going to go. Um, I know Kansas State and Texas Tech have already dropped out of bowl games. Uh, I don't think Baylor has made anything official, but I, you know, I, I know you, you might laugh, but there's no win requirement for bowl games this year, and if other teams in the conference are going to drop out, I don't know exactly how they're going to handle that with conference tie-ins, but I think they've also sort of said, hey, we're done with the season. We don't want to play in a bowl game. But TCU wants to play. Gary Patterson said that after the La Tech game. They're sitting at 6-4. and four. They're in a good position. It seems like they're probably going to end up in the Liberty Bowl or the Guaranteed Rate Bowl, maybe even the Cheez-It Bowl. Um, and the Texas Bowl is also a possibility. So we'll see where they fall. But regardless of what it is, what do we want to see from this bowl game? And I think, you know, one thing I'm really intrigued about, and I talked about it Monday, <clears throat> is this offensive line has gotten better as the season has gone on. So what do they look like? You know, one of the rumored matchups is Tennessee or Kentucky, uh, sort of a middle-of-the-pack SEC team. And I would love to see this O-line, this sort of revamped O-line that found their five guys that they want to move forward with against an SEC defensive line. Even if it's a bad SEC team, you know they're going to have some dudes up front that can get after the passer. So I want to see how improved are they. Do they actually look like a team that's getting better? TJ Stormont, I don't know if he's going to play in the bowl game. I'm not sure what his status is. Um, 
if he's coming back next year, if he's going to try to pursue, you know, NFL opportunities or pro football opportunities elsewhere. But that might be a name to watch as far as somebody who could opt out because his college career could technically be over at the end of the season. But I'd like to see what this offensive line looks like against, you know, another conference, especially an SEC defensive line, to see how much they've improved. Um, secondly, you know, I'd love to see some young players on defense step up and get some more reps. The corners have really come on. You know, C.J. Caesar, we hope he's okay. He got banged up in that La Tech game. But can he continue to develop? Travis Hodges-Tomlinson in sort of an exhibition bowl environment, will he continue to play well? Who are the linebackers behind Garrett Wallow? Because he's gone at the end of the season. Um, obviously, D. Winters has established himself as one of those sort of outside guys, but D. feels like more of a sideline-to-sideline you know, complimentary piece. Who's going to step in and take that role at middle linebacker? Maybe that's something that we can tap into a little bit and get a look at. I'd like to see Josh Foster from Newton, who's going to play safety and has replaced Trayvon Merrick when he's been out for, you know, stretches of games due to injury. What does he look like in a starting role? Um, So I'd like to see some of these young defensive players step up. And then offensively, can you continue to to build on the momentum that you've had in the passing game over the last few weeks? You've been getting the ball to Quentin Johnston for the first time really this season. Um, you know, you saw some more of the intermediate passing game against Louisiana Tech. So can you continue to develop those concepts? Because, I mean – they have the deep ball down to a certain extent. I still don't think that's Max's biggest strength, but they throw it a lot. They they love using the quick game. But can you use some more of these run pass option plays and, you know, plays where you're running button hooks and out routes and timing routes and just trying to get seven, eight, nine, ten yards, chunk yards, some, some plays that are going to move the chains because that was missing sorely, especially in the middle of the season. Tomorrow, uh, we'll talk some more TCU football. We'll also preview the weekend coming up with TCU basketball. This is Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast, and it's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Steven Simcox, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening.